Mother George Goose Sam. We have Chonky Puppies. These are Ginger's Puppies. They are two weeks old today. Rawr, this is white. Rawr, I'm white. I'm a you know puppy. My eyes are open and look at the peepers. Eyes are opening. And they're eating right now. So we're here to make sure that they eat and they eat well. And oh my dog, this one's behind go. And this is little pink. Here's pink. Look you know peepers. Peeper pink. Jeepers. Creepers. Why did you get them peepers? And their ears are going to be opening too, which means that their ears look more like puppy dog ears instead of little weird triangle Albert. flaps. So you saw Albert's in here. Albert's been in here with them. Um, we do keep an eye on him. Um, Gypsy's been in. Yeah, yeah. Gypsy's been in and Lucy's been in to visit with them. And of course, uh, Founder and Rhea have run through real quick on their way outside. Uh, but they got puppies are getting bigger. Wow, I'm green and I like to eat and see my tongue. Oh my god, he's so cute. He is very, very cute. So she is in here working hard at two weeks old. Eyes are open, ears are opening. Uh, so we have the curtain shut. You see behind me, curtains are shut. Uh, curtains are shut because we don't want them to get sunshine. So they're also not going outside at this point. And sometimes we do carry them outside whenever they're young, but we don't do that right now because we have to watch um, so we don't get any eye damage. You want to show them the other ones too? Sure. There's Lita's. Say hello, Lita. Hello, Lita. You doing, pretty girl? You love your babies? Of course you do. And these are the ones that were born just... They're in two days, they will be two weeks old. In two days, yes, they're exactly two days younger than the others. Little squirmy buns. Little squirmy buns. They like having a leg here so they have a perch so they can push. <laughs> push, push, push. That works. Uh, so we wanted to talk today about leveling up your training and how you do that. And we're gonna both show you we've got some stuff we were discussing with with each other about what we wanted to cover, Sam and I. And one is taking it back to the foundation skills. The foundation skills that are needed for training your dog. And it's not the sexy part of dog training. People want to skip over the foundations in order to do the fun, super fun stuff like, you know, training tricks and doing tasks and they don't want to do the foundations and that's not right we need you guys to do the foundations because the foundations are the foundation and it will help you to build and as you build on a solid foundation you will have a solid awesome dog yep the so, three pillars of perfection for the perfect service dog trademarked yeah you want them to be emotionally physically and intellectually as sound as absolutely possible. And then upon that is where you build your foundation. But if you do not start foundational training, if you try to skip ahead or don't make sure that your foundation is solid, you will get cracks in one or all of these pillars. And you will, it won't be possible to build the perfect service dog anymore because a crack in one will weaken the others because now your two remaining pillars, let's say, your emotional pillar falls, 
Now these two remaining pillars are all that's left supporting the entire integrity of your service dog. They weren't, you can't have two, you need three. You need three is a magic number. Three is the magic number for sure. So how do you know if you have done enough work on your foundational skills, how do you know? How do you know that you really, truly have the foundation skills? Yep. And how do you know when it's time to add a little bit of challenge to your training? That's a good question, Sam. How do you know? We have a very specific set of guidelines and rules that we go by. It's actually... Would you call it a very specific set of skills? I would call it a very, very specific set of skills. We do. Yes. It's really the only skills I have. <laughs> <laughs> but you did them so well. Thank you. That and annoying my boyfriend. Good at that too. Right. Um, so, we make sure that the dog has been entirely successful with everything we train. They have gotten an A+. Plus a pluses before we move on to the next thing that we're going to train and the only way we can be sure that they are getting a pluses is if we are actually grading them as they go through the training of these foundational skills so if you are just kind of willy-nilly out there oh I'm working on sit today but you're not really keeping track of how many repetitions you're doing or the grade that your dog is getting for each one of those trials. Each one of those trials, Sam? You don't just round it at the end of a training session? No, nope. I am gonna put a letter grade on every single one, every single rep. And if I'm not scoring an A to an A plus, then I'm going to read, I'm gonna adjust what it is I'm working on. I'm gonna go either repeat the exact same thing that I did. So if I asked for, you know, a touch, like a touch target. We teach a whole ton of two-finger touch because it is so versatile in our service dog training. But it's one of our foundational skills is this two-finger touch. If I've asked for that in a certain situation and the dog did it, but maybe was just a little hesitant about it, or maybe did it but did it with an open mouth instead of a nose boo, something like that where I'm like, okay, getting the idea, but that wasn't an A+. I can pick out some things that I would have liked to see done differently then I'm going to go back and say, okay, how could I make it a little bit easier for the dog? Maybe I could, instead of just keeping it a two-finger touch so he can get his mouth on, I, I would make it a whole hand touch in the beginning. So it's going to be more likely that he can just boop his nose because his little mouth not big enough to get around my whole hand. So it's more likely that he's going to boop with the nose. Then I can say, all right, so I reduced the challenge. I made it easier for him to do what I'm asking, which is touch my hand with his nose and made it possible for him to get an A plus. And then once he gets an A plus, I can move on to the next thing. Maybe now I do it with just three fingers or maybe I, now I do it whenever he's more relaxed. Maybe I do some exercises to help him calm down instead of be feeling so playful and bitey and then ask him for the two finger touch. We don't have to, how we start in training for any desired skill or task is not how we end. We have to take lots of little baby steps to get there. And if you try to rush through, you're gonna see cracks in these pillars because your foundation will not be strong. You may seem like you're kind of getting far fast, but it will all crumble, I promise. But what if the dog doesn't get it? Should I just say it louder? Oh, God, no. That never worked for me as a child. <laughs> Anything my mom said to me louder made it more likely that I was just gonna shut down and not listen to anything she was saying. And it can, 
you've had a lot of negative effects, like just repeating yourself, but getting more forceful. And frustrated. Frustrated, yes. Oh my gosh, not just you, but the dog. And for these dogs, the things that we want from them in the end, when they are our fully trained service dogs, when they are working for us, these tasks are so important, some of them life-saving, that I definitely don't want to mess that up in the early stages before I've even gotten halfway to the point where they could be a trained service dog. And if you are getting frustrated, saying it louder, saying it harsher, it's more likely that that dog is just gonna give up on you or you are gonna do some irreparable damage or damage that maybe you'll be able to repair later, but you're gonna have to do so much more work than if you just would have set it up where the, the dog had challenges that it could score A pluses on, that it could pass the test and then get moved on and take another test and then get a successful grade in that A plus and then move on and take the third test and oh, another A plus. And you will move faster. It will be more boring for you because a lot of these things are gonna seem like they're just so simple. Oh my gosh, it's not really that impressive that he can do a two finger touch. Da, 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 da. But by the time you get to the point that he can do a two-finger touch in a crowded airport with another yappy service dog across service the way, dog. that will be freaking impressive. But it won't ever happen if you didn't do all the boring stuff first and make sure that he got A pluses. So what happens if he struggles and instead of getting an A or an A plus, he's getting like maybe a B. What would you do if he gets a B? Like he does it, but he doesn't. It's not excellent, it's just good. It's just good? It's just good. Well, then I would repeat it until he was great. Okay, would you repeat like the same exact thing? I would, maybe a couple times, but if I'm not seeing change, if I'm repeating the exact same thing a couple times and he's still only getting that good score, it's not turning to great, then I know I need to change something, right? I need to go back just a little bit, maybe make the challenge just a little bit easier or make what I'm asking a little bit more understandable. That's not. By saying something louder or harsher, it doesn't become more easy to understand. So when I say make it more understandable, you have to literally think of it from the dog's perspective and try and figure out, okay, where is this communication disconnect happening? Where is the understanding not quite getting there, right? Because your dogs don't do things to spite you. He is doing it just because he knows it annoys me. <laughs> Well, that evil golden retriever. Right. Everybody knows that these golden retrievers just love to piss people off. Do you? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's if, if, if he's getting a B. What if he's getting a C? Oh, if he's getting a C, then I'm definitely going back and making things easier. If first trial out the gate is, oh man, that was kind of sloppy. Like maybe he stumbled into whatever I wanted, but it was really rough. Then we are definitely going back. We're going back two or three steps. Because I know it's not likely that if he just got a C, that if I just make it a little easier, if I take it one step back, he's going to get that A+. No, if we went from getting A's to getting C, then somewhere along the way there, we got too far ahead of ourselves. Or something in our situation changed to make it where he is not able at this moment to be that, as successful as he was previously. So I'm going to take the challenge back a little bit. A few steps. A few, and what if he gets a D, which oh, just needs improvement? Oh my goodness, D, if he gets a D, we're going way far back. He might as well have gotten an F, honestly. And I have to really look at what am I doing here? And it's never what is the dog doing, right? Because the dog's just being a dog, right? 
It's not, he's not the one that's supposed to be training us. We have the big primate brains. It's up to us to come up with the creative solutions, to come up with the training plans that he can understand and get the, those good grades at. <clears throat> so if he gets a D, then I would probably, honestly, drop whatever it was I was trying to get him to do. Do something different that I know he has been successful at and then reevaluate my training plan for whatever I was trying to accomplish in the thing that he failed and make it so much easier. Think back to what is the closest thing in resemblance to what I want that he has been good at. So if we go back to our two finger touch scenario and let's say I was asking for him to do a two finger touch from if this is my dog, I'm asking for him to do a two finger touch from like this far away. And he cannot, right? I say, touch, and he goes, nope, bye. I'm going to go play over here with this squeaky toy on the floor or whatever. I'm done with this, don't care, not even going to look at you anymore. Now I might go, okay, that was really, really bad. When previously I had been right here, and he was, I was going touch, and he was going boop with his nose, touch, boop with his nose, touch, boop with his nose, A plus, A plus, A plus. Then I went to here, and now he goes, no, I don't want you, boom. Or I say touch, and he goes, ah, freaking out scared for whatever reason. I have to really evaluate what the hell was so different from here to here, right? And maybe it was that there was yesterday when I was doing it right here, there wasn't any sounds outside. But now when I'm doing it right here, there's a construction crew outside and he just cannot get his mind around this challenge. So even though yesterday I was getting the A pluses and it seems likely that I should be able to move to this point, the situation is changing and I need to recognize that that construction crew or whatever's happening outside makes this not a reasonable attainable goal anymore. So now maybe I go back to this, which is where I remember him being successful. And now he can boop, boop, or maybe he's going, maybe, 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 Ugh. so that's a B, not an F. I go, okay, maybe if we go into another room further away from where the construction crews are, we can go back to getting these boop, 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 happy, cheerful, non-scared looking touches. Right. I'm just using the touch as an example and the construction crew is just something I made up. But it would be true of any situation where your dog goes from doing well, you put a moderate amount of increase on the challenge or even a light amount of increase on the challenge that you think he should still be able to get an A at and all of a sudden you see a dramatic decline. There has to be something external that's happening, right? There has to be a reason for this. It is not normal for them to go from A plus, A plus, A plus, you do just a little bit extra, and now it's flat F, right, or D. Could it be that while you think it's just a little bit extra, it's a whole bunch extra? Oh, yes, it absolutely could be. So if you think, because remember, it's all important. Really, the only perspective that matters in training is the dogs, because there's the reality, and then there's what the dog perceives. And we have to, as trainers, live in the world of what the dog perceives, because that's his reality. And we have to make him work for us in his reality, right? So we can say, oh, this seems like it's just a little bit extra. This isn't that much more challenging. But if he's consistently failing at it, yes, it is. He's showing you it's more challenging. And even if you don't know why, the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You can play around with it and make it easier and easier for him until he is succeeding, until he is succeeding. And then go, okay, I'm not gonna jump right back to where he started failure. We got success here, so now let me jump right back to where I noticed the failures happening. Now you wanna try and find 
little tiny steps in between to see if you can keep getting those A's. What I tell people is it's like on your phone where you pinch to zoom it. You go like that and it zooms inward. That's what you need to do for this is find out. Zoom in and find out how many reps can you get? Where is it that it breaks down? Yeah. Why is it breaking down? So a lot of people know um, if we use the example of reactivity, a lot of people are familiar with a leash reactive dog or a dog that you go to take on a walk and he's all good, all good, all good until he sees another dog coming down the street. Now all of a sudden he's Cujo. There is a point. There is an actual physical distance, measurable distance, um, at which the, thank you, there is a measurable distance at which that dog starts to freak out, right? There is a point, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. And then there's a point on your walk where he actually lays eyes on the other dog, or maybe it's before you even see him. It could be smells, tears, whatever. Whatever the case may be, that distance is measurable, right? So we have to find the point at which it starts to collapse. Where does it all fall apart? Or where does it start to fall apart? We don't wanna just wait until we see that explosion. They're, they don't just go from zero to 10. I know it feels like that, like sometimes your dog goes from zero to 10 with no warning, but I promise you, there's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine there. He may fly through them pretty quickly before he hits his 10, but they're there. So if you can become very aware of, in this case, the physical distance at which your dog starts to go one, two, three, and then start your training, like stop right there where you're still successful before he gets to this 10 and do your training. And let's say that's at 50 yards, he starts to blow up. Then I might go, okay, well, what happens at 60 yards? And I go, okay, he's uh, noticeably a little upset at 60 yards. What happens at 75 yards? Okay, now he's able to do some basic obedience commands. He's able to focus on me a little bit. I would say he's getting a passing grade here. Is it an A plus? No, maybe it's a B or a C. Then I go, okay, what happens at 85 yards? And now he's nailing it. 85 yards is where I do my training until he is getting all A's all the time at 85 yards. Then I'm gonna go, okay, what about 75? And then start climbing my way up closer, closer to what we would call our trigger. And I just use the case of reactivity and measurable distance because that's something people can really, you don't have to imagine that, right? You, everyone's kind of seen that. But it's the same even with things that aren't so tangible or measurable as distance. It, other stressors can have the same, the same effects and our reactions to them can be the same in that we figure out at what distance or at what point does the stressor start to present itself and start to affect the scores that we're getting in our trials of whatever the obedience command may be or whatever the task is we're asking for the dog. We have to be aware of the actual measurable distance or measurable stimulus, measurable challenge, whatever. We have to find a way to measure these things so that we can be responsive and proactive, not just reactive. The worst thing you can do for a reactive dog is model reactivity. So you want to find a distance at which you can work proactively. But it's just my dog. It's because he's stupid, right? Like I'm perfect. No. So it's just my dog who's getting the F. No, 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 no. Score yourself as well. 
So oftentimes we will see in training that people assume they've got it all right. I'll tell, I'll give someone instructions for some training games that we like to play and then they go, okay, I'm playing it, but he's not responding right. He's not responding right. He's not responding right. And then I watch them play and I say, oh, actually, you're not really playing quite right. Like I know you think you're doing it right, but you're actually off. And for, I like to, a lot of the training that we do is like games. And if you think of a game that you could play like chess, even if you're doing it just a little bit wrong, you throw off the whole game, right? You start messing up and thinking this piece could move here when really that's a totally illegal move. It may not seem in the grand scheme of things, you just moved a little piece, just a little bit, right? You didn't actually do anything big and offensive, but you've ruined the whole freaking game. The person you're playing with is not going to be able to continue in the way that they should to make the game fair or even playable, thrown off the whole thing. It can be the same with training. It often is the same with training. If you're doing something just a little bit off, throws off the whole game, the dog has no idea what's going on anymore. So it's a really good idea to score yourself as well. And you go, well, how do I score myself? Well, watch someone who is a professional, watch someone who you know gets really good scores at whatever particular training you're trying to do with your dog, and then emulate that, right? But they can make sure the person is doing it right, right? Well, how do you know what you're doing? Because you should videotape yourself. Or you should work with a professional who does it perfectly, who gets A's, right? You should work with a professional who gets A's. And then have- And videotape yourself. And videotape yourself, yes. I am such a huge proponent of videotape yourself and watch it back because you will feel like maybe sequencing is a thing people get wrong a lot. Um, they don't mark at the right moment before they reach for their rewards or they already have their hands and their treat pouches and they're marking or bridging their, or cl clicking whatever they're doing and they don't even notice they're doing it. That is a big mess up in the training games that we're trying to play with these dogs. That's a big miscommunication. You can throw the dog totally off. So now he starts scoring poorly and you're thinking, well, I'm doing everything right. I'm getting A's. I don't know what's going on here. It's just, we have to adjust something with him. When really, if you just take your hand out of your pouch or slow yourself down a little bit and make sure you got that bridge or that click or that marker out fully before you reached for your reward, he'd be scoring perfectly and you guys would have already moved on to your next challenge level or your next, next task. But the only way you're going to know that is if someone watches you or if you watch yourself. And it's always, you're going to take it much better if you watch yourself, if you catch yourself. Because if we catch you and we're like, hey, you're doing it again, what happens when we're not there? But if you're catching yourself, for example, I used to use the word like a lot whenever I talk, you know, like, like, because like apparently I was a girl of the 80s and that's what we use. And a lot of people will use ums. I now use so that I'm trying to steer clear of. And if we can catch ourselves doing it, that is so much more of an impact than if you said to me, you're saying that word again every time I oh, say Oh, yeah. It. My dad used to pick on me all the time. He used to, oh, my God, you drive me crazy with the way you talk because I used likes a lot. But it didn't, I never really got myself to be able to stop doing it until I started doing live videos. And still I started videotaping myself for clients and could hear back because I would watch through it before I would send it to them. And I'd go, oh my God, I said the word like like 45 times. In a minute. In a minute, yeah, oh my gosh. And, but my dad had been on me since childhood to stop doing that and I hadn't. But all it took was just a couple times of me seeing it on video and I went, all right, let's stop doing that and became much more aware of it. So when you see yourself doing it, not just hear from someone else that you do, you will be more likely to correct it. 
And for that, you do have to listen to yourself. So, so many people don't like the way they sound, don't like the way they look. I don't care. Yeah, no. Okay. You know, that's how everyone sees you. So if you're like, but I hate how I sound. Hey, too bad. That's how everyone hears you. So you have to watch it. You don't have to do, how long are your training sessions? I don't know, two to five minutes. So do a two to five minutes. Oh, no, you were just saying, and I thought you read a question of how long our training sessions are. I was just I like, have very good eyesight because I like carrots. You uh, like carrots, like, uh, a lot? Like, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you need to use the word like. But... But we need to like understand it. what we're doing, and for that, we need to slow it down. Mm -hmm. My grandma always told me I talk way too fast. I just need to slow it down because she don't understand me all the time because I talk too fast. I talk really fast too. You guys are probably noticing that. It's why whenever we taught our two-day workshop, it was like a four-day course of information because yeah. <laughs> we talk at double speed. Uh huh. But you, you want to get your money's worth. You do when you come here. Right. But you need to slow it down, and the same thing is true in your training. If you want to build that muscle memory and build those motor skills, you need to slow it down. What is it Shaq said? Um, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Ray is going to be so happy that you used the Shaq reference. Yeah, he is. So it is not a matter of, look, I did sit. 50 times today. See, I could have used like in there and I don't know. I, I taught sit 50 times today. My dog's going to know sit. No. What? Uh-uh. No. You need to get your dog to sit. You need to know how to push him, how to relax it, how to build on what you have, and how to score yourself to see if your dog is ready to advance or if your dog needs a repeater three. Yeah, and just because you got your dog to sit in front of you in your bedroom whenever you say the word sit and do this hand signal doesn't mean he understands that sit means put his butt on the ground. He might have come up with, okay, so when she stands postured like this, she wants my butt on the ground, but only in this room. Or when she um, makes any motion with her hands, she wants me to put my butt on the ground. Or at any, and maybe you haven't, you didn't even notice, but you were doing the command every three seconds. So he could maybe have thought that just every three second interval, I put my butt on the ground, I get a treat. And maybe he hasn't generalized that idea to other spaces. Oh, if he jumps up on you and then you say something and then he sits and then he gets a treat. Oh yeah, so now he might think the jumping up is a key part of the sequence that gets him a reward. So there are lots of things that your dog could be thinking that aren't exactly what you want, which is when I say sit and do this or do this, I want his butt to go on the ground. He may be so far away from that thought, but if the only thing you do or the only thing you look at as evidence that you've taught sit is that one instance, you, you probably didn't actually, there's a good chance you didn't actually teach sit what you consider sit to be. Or that you and the dog have a very different understanding of what sit is, which is why so many times as a trainer, I've gone to meet up with clients and they tell me, oh, he always, he acts so much better than this at home. He always, he'll sit whenever no one's around. I swear he knows sit. I swear he knows sit. No, he doesn't know sit. He knows whatever the sequence is of events that you do or whatever, um, whatever trigger happens just a moment. Like maybe you go to the treat cupboard every time before you ask him for this sit. He knows that when you go to the treat cupboard, if he sits his butt on the ground, then he gets a treat. He doesn't know sit in the way that you think he does. And that can be problematic for sure. So you mean just because the dog knows sit here, I shouldn't just take him to Disney? No. 
did that too, guys, and it's not that easy. You know, what is it that you're asking? How can you set your dog up to earn an A? Yes, and then how many A's can you earn throughout training? What percentage of your scores are A's, right? So you are going to grade yourself on every trial, but then you need to take the cumulative average of those scores daily and see, all right, how, what, did I get an A overall? So both are important. You need an A as often as you can for every trial and then an overall score of an A. So if you started out asking for something like, that your dog wasn't ready for. Yeah, that your dog wasn't ready for. And then you sat there and hammered that 50 times. And then eventually went, okay, I'll do something easy. And got him a few A's after he'd gotten 50 F's. Your average for the day is not going to be an A. It's going to be an F. It's going to be an minus. F. Minus. Minus, yeah. So. so you need to understand that and soak it, right? It's going to take some time for it to sink in for some people. But this is a key, key, key concept. Yes, you have to, have to, have to keep yourself accountable, right? We always talk about accountability for the dogs or, oh, he knows it, so he should be doing it. Well, do you know it? Are you doing it right? And how do you know that for sure? If you're not sure for yourself, then there is no way you can speak for your dog. Because you have an accountability buddy and that's your dog. Yeah, right? If you're struggling, he'll show it. And if he's struggling, you'll show it. You just have to be willing to uh, notice. You have to be willing to receive that information, right? Don't just pin it all on the dog. They're getting all sleepy in here. It's super cute. They are. They are finally settling down a little bit. They got full bellies. Oh my goodness. They're, they're two weeks old, 14 days old today. They are, eyes are opening, ears are gonna start opening. They're making little grunty noises, if you can hear those. They it's fart. Super cute. Oh, you pooped on me. That's not just a fart, that's a poop. It was a wet fart. Yeah, a shark. We had a shark. Hold on, I'll get you a paper towel. Yeah. So, Sam, I know we do talk a lot about sequencing. Uh-huh. Is there something that we can do to make sequencing easier for people to practice? There is. Name game. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. Name game. Name game will take Absolutely. care of it. Absolutely. And getting your sequencing happens in four steps, right? You're going to speak, you're going to move, you're going to mark, and you're going to reward. And it has to happen in those steps. If I say, Sam, I'm going to touch your hair. Yes. It's weird, right? Instead, if I say... And it's just not very communicative. Like, I didn't actually pick up on what it was Vicky wanted from me with all that. I didn't know what my part was in that game she was just playing. I just knew she was coming at me, right? I was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's hard that way. Just like if I'm having a conversation with you here on TikTok or podcast, right? I'm having a conversation. I say, don't you agree, Sam? And she's like, dude, I was putting poop off of me, and I have no idea what you're talking about. So, when you're talking, make sure that whoever you're talking to knows that you're talking to them before you ask them a question. Sam, would you agree that you should make sure you have attention before you talk to people? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good idea, Vicki. Right? And then she can tag my name on at the end. But what happens a lot of times, I notice this with Rich. Uh -huh. If I say, you know, blah, 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 Rich, he's like, huh? Yeah, he didn't <laughs> hear the first blah, blah, blah. He didn't hear that's anything it. before his name. So, it's good practicing 
across all aspects of your life, mm -hmm. right? And what is it? First is speak. So if I say, Sam, can I touch your shoulder? And then I move and I touch your shoulder and I mark while I'm in contact. Yes. And then I can give Sam food. If Sam was my dog, she's not my dog, right? But it's good to practice still, with. I still take some food. Right, she totally would. Um, also, so let's say you can't get all those steps, right? You're struggling a little bit still. You can just get into the habit of saying your dog's name, Fido. Fido looks at you, you click, you throw food. Right? That is the first step is say something. You don't really need to move. You can sit still. You Your dog say, moved. Yeah. Or you could say, Fido. And then you could like wave or squeak a toy or something to get him to look at you. And then click or yes or break or whatever. Floats your boat. Yeah. Whatever floats your boat, whatever marker or bridge, whatever you're using. And then reach for your reward pouch or reach for wherever your rewards are being kept. Do not Say, Fido, while you're reaching into the food pouch, do not reach for the treat cupboard, then say Fido. It's Fido, whatever you're gonna do, then click, and then food from wherever I've got it. Maybe I keep it in a little bowl, like a teacup-shaped hat on my head. You know, that's her here. favorite place to keep her treats. Yep, and I reach up here, and then I give it to him. But that is sequencing. Speak, move, mark, reward. And you can practice it without your dog. Mm -hmm. You practice it with each other like we just did. Or even desk, I'm going to touch you now. Yes. Huh? Right? So you can practice it with cup, can, I'm going to touch you now. In a mirror. Look at yourself in the mirror and go, hello, beautiful. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Toes, knees, and toes. Yeah. There are lots of things you can do to make it easy for yourself to get that A+. plus. Because we can't move forward and challenge ourselves at a greater level if we're already not getting those really high-level successes. And it can be a high-level success at a low-level challenge, right? I'd rather have a high-level success at a low-level challenge than a high-level failure at a high-level challenge, you know? Or shit, even a low-level failure at a high-level challenge. I'd, I'd rather be successful. So if that means I need to do it a little easier to be able to be totally successful, then that's what I'm going to do. And it's going to make me feel better, right? Because who likes to feel like a failure? Who likes to get S? Nobody. Okay, some questions. Do we breed poodles? Nope. Carolyn does. We had two poodle litters. Now it's just these perfect little golden retriever babies. And we're aiming on three to five litters this year. Make sure the mama gets lots of water. Yeah, do you know how hot it is having 10 of them on you? They have a giant bucket of water in the bathroom. Constant access to it. Constant access to water. How old are they? Two weeks. Two weeks. Um, how much? You have to message me for that info. Mm -hmm. Also, hopeservicedogs.org is the website to go to if you want to check out uh, more general information about what we do here. Yep, we breed, raise, and train service dog, golden retrievers, and service dogs. Yep, and they are purpose-bred, so... We, before we even pick a mate for these girls, we are doing it with the goal that the puppies will become service dogs. We pick, pair, and all that just with the hope that they will become service dogs. Yes. Um, do we do OFA testing? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, we do. Of course we do. Yeah. Did you see our last podcast? Was it that one that we talked about all the testing and everything you should do? That one or the one before? Just was, go back and listen. Yeah. Check it out on the, is this TikTok? This is TikTok, but what I do is I, I take it, I put it up on YouTube, and I put it up on our podcast. Oh, okay. What's the podcast name? Service Dog Success. 
with Victoria Warfel. Yes, with Victoria Warfel. Featuring Sam. Right? It's easier with two people. I like it with two because then it's bantering and it's not just me monologuing. Yeah, you don't have to have such a strict script. Yeah. So we want that. We need that from you guys, okay? And if you're starting with puppies this small, we even start them so as their eyes open, as their ears open, as their teeth start coming in, we'll start supplementing mom with, uh, we have puppy starter food from Farmina, and we'll pop that open, put it in a little saucer, and put it on our finger and let them suck it off of our finger until they learn it. And it usually only takes a few days. They get very messy during those few days. But as ears are open, we start clicking before we bring the food in. Now, if they see the food and then we click, meh. So what we do is, as we come in, we click, and then they see the food. Mm -hmm. And it has to go in that order because of sequencing. If they're eating and I click, meh. Do you think they're going to pay any attention? No. Whatever happens first is the most important thing. That's what gets the attention. First is best. First is best. That's why we say new behavior before old or new, new before old, new before old. So yep. whatever we want their end response, whatever we want them to have the end response to, the clicker, that has to happen first before they see, smell, hear the food hitting, you know, being yeah. sat down on the floor. Oh, they get wicked smart about it too. Oh yeah. Pavlov's dogs, you know, it all goes back to Pavlov. They stop drooling and everything. Mm-hmm. So if you're having problems with your dog, with training your dog, because guys, Sam's been training for 10 years. I've been training for close to 20, because Luke's 21, and it was when he was little. A young little man. baby, Lucas. If there's a problem, you have to go back to foundations. Mm -hmm. Back to the beginning. Back to where you get A's. Mm -hmm. A pluses. We want A pluses. A pluses are the bestest. Mm -hmm. And if it's too hard for your dog... And that's why your dog's struggling. Make it easier. It doesn't mean you can't ever come back to it. It means that your dog's not ready for it at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And the more willing you are to go back, the quicker you will move forward. But the longer you hold on to ideas that aren't working, or the, the more reps you put in when you're getting C's, D's, F's, the more you just repeat the same behavior, the harder it's going to be, the slower your training is going to move, and the more likely it is that you will make some serious detriments. Yeah, you know, I saw a really good one, and it was from another horse trainer, and it was how do you build confidence in a dog? You build con and this is just me paraphrasing it, right? You build confidence by having the dog be successful and repeating it. Mm -hmm. Repeated success. Repeated success builds confidence. Right? And that's huge. You know, proprioception, yes. Trick training, yes. Clicker training, yes. Um, doing fun stuff, yes. But it's that repeated success. Mm -hmm. It's not going to build confidence if your clicker training is terrible or if your dog hates the tricks or it's just not fun or the proprioception is too much for what he can handle at this point in time. Yeah, if he has to go through 40 failures before he lands on one correct answer... It's not likely that correct answer is going to stick in his brain too much. He's going to feel more strongly about those 40 failures because they're what was most prevalent in his life. He was just like for me or anyone. If you fail, 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 fail repeatedly, how likely are you to want to step up to another challenge? Yep. And to want to step, step up to another challenge with any level of optimism. And if something 
new is going to happen, we want that dog to step up to the challenge and to succeed. We want a dog who is creative. Mm -hmm. There's a really, I'm going to plug um, Mark McCabe here really quick. He has a wonderful blog post. It's called, Is Your Dog an Optimist? And you can read it on their website, trainingbetweentheears.com. And I recommend every person that owns a dog read that blog post. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. And it's not super long. I'm not giving you homework that's going to take you like 45 minutes. It's like a quick, less than a 10 minute read if you're a slow reader. But it's cool. It has some really good ideas in there and it can really help you um, look at yourself, look at your dog, and look at the training you're doing in the appropriate light to then be able to use the things that we are telling you right now in a way that makes sense. I like it. We should do a, a Sam reading of the blog. Oh, that would be so cute. Oh my God. It would be like, well, like the nightmare before Christmas, but with blogs of dogs. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking of Bush when he was reading to all the kids and then, you know, we all know how that story went. <clears throat> anyway. Anyway, <laughs> it won't go like that. If we're going to do the training between the ears, um, we'll pimp them out too. They have a free course on their online courses. There is a free one for you. So get an entree between the ears of their online courses. Oh yeah, they have a free Facebook group too that's just full of excellent, it's a, it's a great community. It really is. And they're our type of people. So if you're our type of people, you'll probably be their type of people. Right? Yeah. Aw, the little puppies. This one is my favorite one. He is so dark and beautiful. It's this little dark green puppy. He is the cutest. He has the smushiest face. And does. We're waiting. They just got their genetic swabs done today. Their little cheek swabs to send off for their genetic testing to see if they're carriers of any kind of stuff we don't want to contaminate the gene pool. But. Yeah. So for that, if you guys remember the Punnett squares from uh, uh, middle school with tall peas and short peas, it's like that. They need two copies of the gene to be affected. Mm-hmm. And if they're clear, then they have Yeah, and there's copies. no chance they can pass it on to their offspring. Yeah, and they could be carriers and have one copy. And that's ginger for ichthyosis, which is scaly skin disease. Think of um, psoriasis for dogs. So she's not affected because she doesn't have two copies, but she is a carrier because she has one copy of the gene. And we would like for any puppies that um, continue on in our breeding program to have none copies. None so, copies. None copies. So it's not guaranteed that she passed on that one copy to any of these puppies. You know, there's a 50 50 chance or greater than 50 50, right? It's usually about 50 to 60% are going to be carriers mm -hmm. just because of how you coin flip. You know, if you coin flip 100 times, you're going to get about 50, but if it's less than that, your, your numbers can be a little skewed. Yeah. If you only skip 10 times, it doesn't mean you're going to have. So half. they could have gotten their daddy's gene of clear. So of we will clear. only breed to clear if we have a carrier for something but the problem is not every breeder does genetic testing and we cannot take that uncertainty so if we are not absolutely positive that daddy is clear we will not use them as a stud and i'd like to be able to use some of them as a stud yeah but we can only do that if if on our side we're totally clear yeah because then it don't matter daddy could be affected by it and the babies will just yeah the be babies carriers. will just be carriers but we're not you know, we don't put them out into other homes to be bred anyway. Correct. Yeah. Well, the first time we went to breed Ginger, uh, someone the, used their dogs as a stud. And as we were talking, and I said, well, but they're both ichthyosis carriers. And I was told, oh, that's okay. 
do it anyway. And I said, no. Absolutely not. So, yeah. Yeah, because it's not an eye issue, people, or, you know, a longness of life issue. Some people are like, eh, it doesn't matter, but it really does matter. But still, matter. remember those three pillars we were talking about that you build the, the perfect service dog atop? Physical was one of them. And if you, I try to have no physical ailments. And itchy skin, being itchy all the time, would definitely be a physical ailment. So I would have cracks in this physical pillar that would make it damn near impossible to have the perfect service dog. And we are going for perfect here at Hope Service Dogs. Perfecciones. Perfecciones. Yes. That's right. Huh, and you guys are perfect little potatoes already, aren't you? They get their first uh, deworming tomorrow. Ooh. It's just one day, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, and eight weeks. They get one day of dewormer. What are you doing, little girl? Oh my goodness, look at that belly. They're All so right, cute. we have, we want to check for some questions before we get yeah. off of here. I feel like I've been sitting so far away from you guys, I can't see anything you're typing. So well, sorry. when I was sitting there, my whole leg went numb. <laughs> So I had to get out. Let's see. I will take with the one. Yeah. Uh, I'd like. Mm -hmm. I'd like to get a service dog because I'm in a wheelchair and want more independence. Can I do that? Yep. I will take Sam the dog. <laughs> I wish I was a dog. I used to pretend I was a dog when I was a kid. I was always a brown and white Australian shepherd. My sister and I, my dad had an S10 pickup. And it was just a single cab. So my mom, my dad, and then our brother was way younger. So they'd sit up front. My sister and I sat in the back in the cab. And mm -hmm. there was cardboard on the floor. And we had old couch cushions in there because it'd get really hot. Uh-huh. We pretend like we were horses. Oh, like your horses being hauled. <laughs> Hopefully to auction and not slaughter, right? Right. To the rodeo. And I'm sure people thought we were just the strangest thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, how many of the puppies out of the litter will become successful service dogs? <clears throat> I don't know. We've uh, had good percentages. A large percentage of ours have gone on. To be yeah, I think about 80% we place in. A couple of them, it doesn't work out. And it doesn't work out for some of them because it's a lot of work to train up a service dog mm -hmm. and they it weren't expecting it. So we can't guarantee at placement that at some point they won't wash. But we have had a very low percentage of dogs placed as potential service dogs or service dogs in training washing out. Very low percentage. Uh, what health testing do you do? Hips, elbows, eyes, heart, genetics. Eyes are done annually. Hips, most of the time, it's pen, hip, and OFA. Any brace on a handle with the mobility service dog? Depends on a lot of things if you yeah, can brace on a handle. Yeah, we might do bracing and mobility at another um, another time. We'll have, like, a whole... That's such a long conversation. We'll have, like, a whole... Yeah. Yeah, we'll have a whole um, live stream on it. So, come back then. <laughs> Will future owners be able to get a copy of the genetic testing or... Would they have to go about that on there? And it depends. I mean, the ones that we have, guys, are up. Like, I put all mine up on OFA. So you can go and look at it. If I have an owner who's like, hey, can I get a copy of that from mom? Yeah, like, I'll give you a copy. Um, Dad's usually up on OFA. And what was the thing you were telling that lady today? With, like, that you can go back, like, five generations? Yes. So on canine data, which is what health tests is done on parents so hips much. elbows eyes heart genetics so back, we talked about all of it in our last session, <coughs> like literally listed all of it but you were talking about canine data as what canine data is one for uh, golden retrievers uh labrador retrievers and nova scotia ductiling retrievers and what you can do is you can get on there and look at the five generation pedigree mm -hmm. and that's every, parents grandparents great-grandparents blah, 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 right it's not sisters brothers aunts and uncles 
And, but you can look at them and then you can get in every dog and you can say, okay, granddad died at 12 years old uh, because he got hit by a car. Yeah, or whatever. It's, they can report, basically. Yeah, so they don't all do that. But if you want to look at the longevity, you have to look at the parents. You can, and then you can go and look and see their offspring and their siblings so you can see what, what it runs, right? Um, if the dog's 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 and gets cancer, that's not a bad thing. Because well, especially if lots of dogs in their lineage are living to that age, then hell yeah. yeah, those are genetics we want in our lines if they're getting that kind of longevity. But it's also environmental. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeding uh, good food, if you're doing the proper supplementation, if you're watching your dog when he's out and not letting him play on areas where they just pesticided it, if you don't put a ton of pesticides on your dog... Right? Like your dog's probably, if you don't over vaccinate, yeah, your dog's probably going to do better. Tiger testing instead of um, vaccinating for some of these, you know, yeah. viruses every year or every three years or whatever it is. Anyway, anywhere you can get away with tiger testing, that's what I prefer to do. Yeah. Oh, Holly was saying she can draw it oh, nice. when she comes down. If we're North Carolina there. won't allow you to tiger test, though. So. We have to check on Florida. Yeah. I mean, you can. Nobody says don't tiger test, but it's not good for anything. Like if you well, you could, yeah. Well, yeah, if you're going to board your dog or whatever, you're going to be like, eh. Or if animal control, you end up with an animal control contact for whatever reason. Well, for rabies, because they've done the seven-year rabies study. I think it only went up to seven years, but it mm-hmm. could have been longer. But if you get it done in a year, or you get it done at four months, you get it done at a year, and that's good for three years, then so that means at four years old, they need it again, and at seven years old, they need it again, and at ten years old, they need it again. Uh, you know, like you can see where you're at, but it doesn't mean that they get done every year. And that's the part of the issue is some vets, some people go in thinking that they need a rabies and a distemper parvo and a lepto. And, and for a- the love of Pete, keep track of your vet records. Because if you go to a new veterinarian and you don't have record or you can't get a hold of your old veterinarian or they didn't keep records long enough on the dog that you have, they will over vaccinate the shit out of your dog just to cover their own butts because they don't know what vaccine it's at. Keep track of your records. I usually pop into breeders' lives to talk about health testing, but I know you guys are good. Thank you. Yeah. How do you select the parents? What tests? AKC tests or just health tests? Girl, it's everything. It is. There's a lot that goes into the choosing of who gets to be daddies to these sweet, sweet nuggets. And the daddies for the 22 puppy, well, the daddy for these 22 puppies we have on the ground is the same daddy. And that's AJ, who is the number one AKC Golden in 2021. And he's also now the face of Purina Dog Food. Mm-hmm. So these are going to be gorgeous doggies. They are already so beautiful. Isn't that just the cutest thing you've ever seen? And they do the, we do the early neurological stimulation, the early scent every day. And some of them love to be upside down. This one doesn't seem to mind it. <laughs> right? And look at those little feet. Look at the beans. Yeah, and she is sleeping because she does have her eyeballs opening. So if she was awake, she'd be looking at me. She's sleeping. Oh, oh, oh. Yep. Well, are you dreaming that you're drinking? Um, the puppies, yeah, sometimes I, I share that. Sometimes I include it in with them. For Ginger, because she's an ichthyosis carrier and daddy's clear, we just got the icky test for them. Uh, for Lita, her, she's clear and daddy's clear. So I'm not doing Lita's puppies until we find out which ones we're keeping. And then I can go and do theirs because I know it's clear. It's cleared by parentage, but I don't want it to just be cleared by parentage. I want it to be cleared by proof. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? Spontaneous weird things can happen. So we don't want that to happen. Okay? So that's it for right now. Um, It is time for us to log off and have fun with puppies. Mm 